Hey guys, before the episode starts, I just want you to know that there's some audio issues with echoing and stuff in this video. Um, there's not much I can do about it now, but uh, I think the video turned out pretty well other than that, so if you can suffer through that, then enjoy. Alright, welcome back to the EDH Takes Podcast, the number one place for what are we the best at, Spencer? Complaining, I think? Yeah. Did you did you just set that up so you would you would put me on the spot so I'd actually come <laughs> up with the topic? Was that what you were doing? <laughs> well, anyways... um. I'm Elijah Samuelson. I'm Spencer Cook. And today we wanted to do a little miscellaneous deal, just kind of flesh out our characters a little bit more and have a more relaxed conversation on just a few things that are sort of pet peeves, sort of just uh, kind of hot takes, but not really. We're not trying to have anything really controversial or... We're not, we're not coming up with ideas specifically to... You know, be against the mold or whatever. It's just we're kind not of... looking to change minds. Some of these things might actually be very common that we're going to say. It's just little little miscellaneous things we wanted to talk about, and we didn't yeah. think would make a full episode's worth of content. But hey, maybe you do change your mind about some of these after hearing them. You know, never know. I mean, maybe we're usually right. So almost every time, yeah, pretty much like all the time. <laughs> all right. Well, you wanna you wanna bring us into the first one, Eli? Oh, I guess I, I'll start. You know, what? me, me. Okay. So this is a, like our heater. This is like the S tier uh, miscellaneous takes of the EDH takes. Yeah, like, these aren't these aren't the these aren't little 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 baby ones. I either. think this is our best one. I think. Okay. Yeah. So my first hot take here is that Scry is not as good as people seem to think it is. Um, and to kind of elucidate what I mean here, um, there was a. Um, playing with power podcast episode um, that they did about Lorehold, and they were talking about um, Scry. And um, Alex from the Spike Feeders made a comment that he made a Twitter poll at some point that was pretty much saying, "Yeah, he did a Twitter poll that was, what would you rather do in a game of Commander? Either draw two cards or Scry three and draw one." I really hope I'm right about this, but I really would like to see more of. If you're swinging with all your stuff, or swinging with a subset of stuff, Scry X. I asked a question on Twitter a couple of weeks back. The question was basically, would you rather draw two or scry three and draw one? Right? I think that that's a very difficult question to ask. And I think that question gets rougher and rougher and rougher the higher the scry gets. At a certain point, you're essentially stacking your deck with a card like Algorithm. And he said that that was essentially um, a hard question to answer. And it would get even harder the more you know scry increased. And I'm going to say it right now, that is not a hard question to answer. Anybody with a brain will say they'd rather draw two cards over Scry 3 and draw one in 99.9% of situations. I mean, I, I agree with I'd go for the draw two, but I, I could see how people might be confused about that, especially as the Scry gets bigger, because that was another part of the question. I think he did a second poll or an unrelated poll that was like, what Scry X equals a card? And it get, going up to like 10 or something like that. Yeah. And you know, I, I I'm I'm gonna say it, guys. Uh, I think uh, how many what, scry X? What does the X have to be to equal drawing a card? I'm gonna say scry infinite doesn't even get to equal draw a card. <laughs> scry reorder your deck. Yeah, reorder your deck is not is is not draw a card, and you can't you can't say oh people like to say oh well scry three is about a, is about a card is worth of value, and it's like no, it doesn't work like that. And you know, my main argument for that is like um, when you really need. Um, to draw a card or scry, um, like like when you're in danger, like let's say you're going to lose pretty soon or you need to like deal with a threat right now, scrying without drawing a card doesn't do anything about that. 
And if you even if you pair scry with draw a card, I would think I'd almost always take like the draw two instead of the scry three draw draw one. That's a good point because uh, we were trying to break down our arguments before recording this, and what you're saying there about immediately answering a threat. So going the if it's just scry or draw a card, you you would some people would say in the favor of scry like well I want to be able to make sure that I'm drawing gas, but something is better than nothing and the scry is immediately it's nothing like without additional draw attached to it scry it is nothing yeah it's until like, the next turn the next I, if i had the choice in that instance of like really needing my way out of something i could choose scry 10 or immediately draw the card the draw card might be what i need this it doesn't the scry it doesn't matter what's on top of my deck the scry will never be what you need right if you it's need to do something now yeah um and i think what was that one thing that we were we were talking about Eli earlier. Was this was this when we were talking about the idea of like doing things now versus playing for next turn versus playing for this turn, right? Yeah, I think that's a really common theme in card analysis and a thing that commander players do a lot because the games are longer. People like to constantly be playing for a next turn or like the turn after. And it's a it's a thing that come you feel like it's very smart because it's you think you compare it to something like chess and you're like, "Oh, well, I'm I'm next leveling. And I'm, I'm thinking, thinking like two turns I'm ahead or something. Steps ahead. I'm thinking for the future, but really, like magic's not like you can kind of do that, but in the instance of at least scry, it's not really like that. It's not that valuable. Yeah. No, I don't think. Um, so, like an example of this might be you might um, be pl- planning to play a board wipe in a couple turns, or something. So you kind of slow roll your creatures, right, or something. But then. It could turn out to be the case where you really weren't going to play your board. Like, like the game turns out into a way that where your board wipe isn't good anymore, and all you did was hurt yourself by not playing your stuff out. Right, uh, commander has too much hidden information for you to. Like, you can do some planning. You, ahead, you, you can, you can, yeah, you can kind of. But hedge. really, your your three opponents, their many many decision points can alter what your your plan is on a turn by turn basis. Yeah, so I mean, just to kind of kind of wrap it up like obviously i don't scry is obviously a positive thing like if you're able to scry um one it's better than not scrying one of course um but i but i think i've I've just been hearing players kind of try to equate scry to card draw and also kind of try to evaluate it as more than it is they say like that scry has like hidden value or something to it and i just i just honestly think no it doesn't have hidden value it has very little value and that little value is very overt like it's not hiding anywhere well, the, the value it has is on cards that are attached to additional card draw. Yeah, yeah, it has like to be. It comes with yeah. that. And I guess sometimes, you know, you need to scry effect. Like, I I'm, I play a Charming Prince, and you scry on turn two sometimes to hit a land drop. Like, it's not bad. It's just, let's move on from scry. I think we've talked about well, it enough. Uh, before we move on, I just wanted to say the, the main thing that they kept drumming onto on the Boros episode was how good Alibu is. Yeah. And I like Alibu, and I think it's a good card, but one thing Alex said was he wanted to see more scry when you attack or something in a mono white or boros and it's like we play white we play boros i don't really care to see that, that no much. i would much rather have i'd much rather play like a, a card that draws one versus scrying eight almost every time and maybe yeah. that's a super hot take but that's just me personally mm-hmm. i would take a card over scry eight almost all the time yeah so speaking of pseudo not really card advantage my first thing i want to talk about are cantrip cards. Mm-hmm. You might know them like Preordain, um, Serum Visions. Yeah, all those cards. Ponder, Ponder. everything. Detection Probe, whatever. Yeah, the, the big ones. Um, I think they just really, really do nothing. And, oh, Brainstorm is the other one. That's People the... think Brainstorm is 
so, I've seen Brainstorm played in so many Commander decks. I just think like yeah, I think that one's a pretty a pretty um, medium take because I think a lot of people as of recently have been being like, oh, Brainstorm's not as good as you think it is, kind of thing. Yeah, and, they're right. I think they're right. Yeah, so this one's not a super hot take. Just um, I really think, man, they just they do straight nothing. Like it's just kind of a spinning your wheels sort of thing. Like you might say, oh, it sets up my next draw or lets me keep sketchier hands. I, Sure. I don't know. You really, I, I think I agree with you, Eli. You really do have to have a reason to play cantrips, and a good one at that. So, and then most of the time, a reason from the command zone, I would say. Yeah, so the big examples we came up with were, like, Talrand or Cast Dissident Mage. Uh, Kess, I, I'm pretty hot on that one. That seems good, like, turning a cantrip into two-mana draw two. That seems actually good. Talrand, this is going to be maybe, because I'm, I'm sure there's people who have, like, Talrand decks and good Talrand decks, but I feel like... Playing a cantrip to get a 2-2, that's on the very, like... And I respect... We respect bodies in combat, but yeah. that's on the very, like... That's, like, the floor of the the value you should be Would getting. you say you'd rather just play, like, a spell that does something and then to get the 2-2? Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Maybe a, re- a reason that you would want to play cantrips would be something like Veyron or something like that. Or maybe, like, a Niv-Mizzet where, like, it gives you another card or Veyron being a lot of damage off of stuff like Gutter Snipe. I could see that. Yeah, exactly. And, and this kind of ties into something we probably talked about before on the podcast on the idea of cards that really only have any kind of utility when your commander's in play. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm not high on those kind of strategies and that kind of deck building. I'm not either, Eli. I really don't like to only function my commanders in play. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, at least cantrips, like, they, they cycle themselves in that situation, so yeah. they're not totally bad. They're better than some kind of cards like that, like combat tricks in a feather deck, but... Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah, like like, like cantrips in a feather deck makes sense, I suppose, if they took, like, an, like an expedite or something, right? Like, because mm-hmm. you get to get it back, but... Um, as a general rule, I wouldn't be like I wouldn't make like a like a control deck or something and just throw like a brainstorm and like a ponder in there. Like they don't do anything. Yeah, like I feel almost never I play them. I remember a game, and brainstorm especially is especially uh, before Hullbreacher got banned was that kind of card where you could kind of get got by brainstorm. I remember somebody was playing their Scarab God deck. Yeah, and that's a deck I really don't think. I mean, maybe they had. They probably did have reasons. I think the guy who was playing it, was I regarded him as a pretty good player, and he had a good deck, but he went to play a Brainstorm, and I flashed in an Alms Collector, and he had to single target bounce my Alms Collector back to my hand with his Cyclonic Rift to avoid, like, drawing one and then having to put two back yeah, in his Brainstorm. Yeah, and the Brainstorm wasn't really doing much for him, I guess. Yeah, I don't think it really... The best-case scenario with Brainstorm is you're up... No cards. I mean, I get the mentality, like, he wants to put some bad cards on top and then scry off of the, the Scarab God, right? But yeah, that could be the... The reason, thought, but... right? But, like, other, like, like it's... it. You have to get start to get pretty cute to, like, make cantrips good, right? So... Yeah, they, they take... There's very some assembly required. Yeah. And on the, um, on the kind of theme of talking about, you know, like, scrying and cantrips and a lot of these cards allow you to kind of mess with the top of your library... Um, I want to talk about tutors, and more specifically, top deck tutors. So, for example, cards like um, Sylvan, uh, oh god, not Sylvan, um, Sylvan Tutor, yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Sylvan Tutor, and uh, like Mystical's Tutor, and Idyllic Tutor, Idyllic, all the, you know, the Vampiric, co- Vampiric Tutor, tutor all, all of the tutors that put a card on top of your deck, I think that they're just not as good as people, I think, think they are. Um, obviously, you know, the best case 
like use I mean usually there's always the the crazy starts where you go like vampiric tutor into like a mana crypt or something right that's obviously good I'm not gonna say that's bad but for the most part I think the tutors that cost one mana more or maybe even two mana more and they put the card in your hand is just gonna be better for you I think yeah I think they're undeniably good but I think they're rated so highly to the level where if there was a somewhat new commander player and they were learning more about the format say they had like God, I don't know the cost of these tutors right now. I know Vampiric is a lot more Very expensive, I'm gonna say, yeah. But if somebody, say, had around $50 to spend on a Magic card mm-hmm. and they wanted to get, like, a single, like, really good card to tune up their deck, they might be like, oh, I want to go get an Enlightened Tutor. It's like, no, get a Demonic Tutor instead. Yeah, depending on their... Or, yeah, or, or sure, get, like, if you're playing, like, an equipment deck or something, Enlightened Tutor, I think, is going to be worse than a, um, what's the one-mana tutor? Steel Shaper's, Steel Shaper's gift. gift. Thank you. Yeah. Because when you get Enlightened Tutor and you put, like, a sword on top and then they kill your sword, you are not just down a card. You're not just, sorry, not just down the tempo. You're also down a full card. Whereas with a Steel Shaper's Gift or something, it's more specific about what it can do, but you're not down a card. Yeah. It's a big deal. These cards, I think, are really, their power really scales with the power of your deck. Like, if you're playing a highly tuned or a near, like, CEDH deck, then absolutely they're good, and I'll, I'll back those up because being able to go turn one Enlightened Tutor into turn two Mana Crypt, play a four drop plus, or maybe more Yeah, stuff. or like going, you know, Mystical Tutor into like a source of card advantage. Like that you, way you can kind of get your cards back, right? Like it's not like they're super bad, but like one thing that I want to bring up that I think is super important is... I know it's it's green and white, but... Eladomri's call, I think, is just, like, about four or five times better than Sylvan Tutor. By a lot. Mm-hmm. By a lot, a lot. It's such a great card. Big fan of that one. Yeah, you don't see too many instant speed tutors that put the card directly into your hand. It's pretty, it's it's literally just, uh, especially, at least for two mana, it's just Eldamri's call. And I guess if you want to count it, um, the uh, one with uh, Undergrowth, right? Not Oh, yeah, where you gotta have so many black cards in your graveyard. You, no, you, you get a black creature... Uh, you have to have creatures. It cares about number of creatures in your graveyard. Yeah, and I, I don't even think I'd count that one because it's not a. It's not. It, it's very specific about you what you can't it can really do. play it on turn two for anything. Yeah, but most of the time, for sure. Um, so you want to? Uh, we're talking about tutors and 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 you know top deck tutors being kind of bad and stuff for you. Like, you want to maybe get yeah, into so that? For how often these cards get brought up, by the way. You really don't see them super often. I'm just going to say, like, in my experience, like, you'll see them occasionally, like, people play with them, but people, when they're talking about commander stuff, they like to bring these cards up constantly. Like, they're, uh, like, you see them in every game. Like, they're ubiquitous to the format or something. And so many of them are just so expensive that you really don't, like, unless people are proxying, like, Enlightened Tutor, I think, is around $50 right Vampire now. Vampire Tutor, Tutor, I think, is, like, a, around 100 or something. I don't know exactly, but it's a lot. It's close. Yeah, but what I was going to bring up is the idea where people always evaluate parts of cards on with the idea that maybe like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with somebody's top deck tutor or just like people play top deck manipulation cards in general and and I just don't think it's uh, it's that valuable. I don't think it's really worth bringing up that often. Yeah, so you're saying like like uh, stuff like Sensei's Divining Top outside of the scenarios where it's obviously good, like when you combo off with it, really don't do that much. Or maybe even cards that mess with other people's top decks, like maybe, for example, being able to mill someone one if they do like a top deck tutor, you're saying that's just like, that doesn't happen. Yeah, and, and I understand some of the 
the like combo applications of Sensei's Divining Top, but I've been playing Command for a long time, and Top has been a big part of the format since I started playing. It was never the kind of card that I ever thought I would want to get for any deck, because it just... I've yeah. seen people play with it, and it really... Most of the time, it's just you spinning your wheels. It's just paying one mana, look at the top three cards of your deck. And then then cry. And yeah, if they suck, it sucks to be you. I mean... You can fetch land and stuff, but whatever. I've seen people play fetch lands in their monocolor deck to, like, untop lock themselves. Yeah, yeah. But that's... It's a little bit... It's a bit of a hoop to jump through. Yeah, and um, I personally... I, I bought a top when I was a kind of new player because I was building an artifact deck. And in a deck where... You know, you you draw cards off of casting your artifacts. I get it. Top is a one mana cantrip and then does stuff later, right? Like, yeah. Like less less bad, right? Um, but since then, I don't think I've played top in more than one other deck since since uh, in the last five years. It was just no three deck th- three decks. That original deck, my um, uh, the uh, girl that makes fairy tokens and you play an artifact, and that was a combo with a uh, bolt citadel and stuff. And then I played it in a um, cast. Uh, Dissident Mage deck as well. Yeah, so my main point is just, you know, commander content, we're, or commander content creators, we're perpetually evaluating new cards, and something that is just universally brought up on, in every set is this idea of like, oh, this card interacts with your top deck, or it's top deck manipulation, or you can mess with somebody's top deck tutor, or something like that, and I just think it... It's kind of cringe. It doesn't matter. Like, it's just yeah, like, yeah. one thing I wanted to bring up as an example of top deck manipulation, the command zone, when they were talking about Plarg, Dean of Chaos, our boy. Yeah, big boy. Who, big if you don't know, you pay five mana, you tap Plarg, you go until you get a non-legendary spell that costs three or less mana. And you cast, and you cast a card. Yeah, from your deck. Yeah, and that card, that's just good enough as it is, in my opinion. Yeah. You're, you're drawing a, a free spell, and effectively. Casting it. And, and Jimmy and, and DJ, I think, were just going on about all the stuff you can do with, like, top deck manipulation. Like, scroll like, rack, right? Scroll rack, and and it's like, is it just not good enough? Or, like, I, I think I've seen them or, or heard them talk about the same thing regarding spells with Cascade, and it's like, it's good enough. Yeah, no, I think you're really... The only reason I could ever see you wanting to do that is if you're, like, playing a suspend card, like a, a restore balance or something like that. And then, like, that's the only reason I'd want to put a card on top to Cascade into or, you know, would plug into. Other than that, you just take whatever you get. Yeah, in which case, you're doing that with Scroll Rack, which, by the way, is, if we're going to compare Scroll Rack and Sensei's Top, I think Scroll Rack is by far the better card. Mm-hmm. But still, I can, I can it's, not, that. it's another one that I think it is far overrated. Yeah. And then, also, I think Jimmy as well, he was talking about um, the card uh, You Find Some Prisoners, which is from the, the new D&D set, Adventure of the Forgotten Realms, and it one of the modes is... Um, you target an opponent and you like exile the top couple cards of their library and then you get to cast them until the next turn. Yeah, it's exile the top three cards of an opponent's library and you can play one of them until the end of your next it, turn. With instant speed or whatever, yeah. And he's like, oh, you can do this in response to somebody's top deck tutor. It's like... like no, no, Jimmy. No, you won't. I, I, sure you can, but like, that's not... That, that's, that's, that's a little bit too wishful thinking, I think, yeah. If you've seen this happen, or seen it happen commonly, please tell us in the comments because I've never seen it happen. I get that it happens every once in a while, but no, it's, I don't think it's very common I don't, at all. I know it can happen. I don't think it's worth bringing up as an evaluation for like whether or not a card is good or bad. Yeah, people people do bring it up more often than I would think is, is necessary, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I guess um, moving on from there, um, I do want to talk about a concept um, that I kind of think is, is is another thing that's not talked about enough. Well, I guess we were talking about something to talk about too much. Now something not enough. Um, you'll see cards. They'll they'll print cards like Emil, um, you know the 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 unicorn uh, horse uh, commander, and you'll see people play say stuff like. Oh man, Emil's really cool. I love that. I kind of wish it was a mono-white deck so I could play a mono-white Blink Commander because I've been looking for one of those for a while. And then I'm just sitting here being like, bro, you know you can play... You, you don't have to play green cards in an Emil deck, right? Because it's it's hybrid mana for the activation. You could th- that, that's your, that is your mono-white commander. Play it as a mono-white deck. Great. Take back the power. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to this a little bit because my main Boros deck, which is now Gerard, used to be... An earlier deck before that, it was Jorkadeen. And there was a point when I was considering maybe making it an Alesha deck and just not playing any black spells in it because you can totally use her. She costs red. Her activated or her triggered ability is either white or black mana. Yeah. It could totally work. It could be a Boros deck. And I just thought in my head, well, it's not, it's technically not a Boros deck. So it feels like somehow cheaper or yeah. like not as special. Like I'm not doing cool Boros things as much, because I'm using a technically a Marvel Yeah, it's technically, maybe you lose some clout from it or something, yeah, but... Yeah, but you really shouldn't think like that. Just, you know... If you want to do it, just do it. For example, yeah, for example, um, right now, for the last uh, several months, I've been playing a Kaza Royal Chaser deck, and it doesn't play any red cards in it, it's just a, it's just a mono blue deck with, like... Bear, you know, just enough sources of red so I can cast my commander. And you really don't need that much. I think I have, like, eight red sources in the deck, and it's yeah. enough. And I, I it was just the eight of them. Yeah, and some of them tap, you know, it's, it's like it's like four or five mountains, and then, like, a couple mana rocks, and, like, command Pathway, tower. Pathway, command tower, yeah. path of ancestry. Stuff like that. Um, exotic Orchard, whatever. Um, so, and I had a lot of fun. I mean, just, it's like a fun stipulation to play that as a mono blue deck or whatever, and... You know, maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, oh, I want to play this. I want to play a Gruel deck, but I can't find a Gruel commander that I even like that much for my strategy. You know, I want to play like Gruel monsters. Screw it. Play Crash the Bloodbraided and just put a couple ways to make black mana and then play only Gruel cards. Like it's fine. I mean, you're gonna play Command Tower in your two color decks anyway. Yeah, you're so. gonna play like Command Tower, Exotic Orchard, those sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, exactly. And then you just play. You know, you get to. You know, adding the color it makes your deck even better because now you can play more signets and more talismans. You, you before go. you were you were only stuck to playing the couple. Now you can play you know the red red black and the green black signet. Sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is a very very novel idea. I like it. I think um, it makes me want to consider it because, like you're saying about Emil, that could be that'd be really cool. Mono white commander. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have like a mono white like dedicated blink commander. Sure. Or even like or even just play like you know Shuyun as like an Azorius deck or something. Whatever makes you happy. Yeah. So if you ever feel like, you know, there's a commander that you're like, man, I hate playing, I, I you're like, I hate Sultai, but I like, um, you know, playing green and black, just play a Sultai commander without blue cards in it or something. It's fine. Or if you're like, I want to play a Demir commander that can actually, like, block stuff, play Tassiger. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Big beefy guy. Sick, yeah. Yeah, usually you need to pay, like, eight mana or seven mana to get, like, a five... Five I guess like, yeah, I just thinking. You got like Scarab Goblin Yeah, I guess. Scarab Isn't there one that's like a five eight or something for like I'm seven mana? Totally wrong. I just said that off, off, off the cuff. Off yeah, no worries. I got you. Well, he's a big beefy boy for a cheap huge. mana. Yeah, it's like he's one mana. mana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess talking about you know how easy it is, I think to play. I think you know adding a third color to a deck and then playing. 
um, you know, just two colors in the deck, it's not that hard to, like, add the, the black or whatever. Well, people might be hesitant to do this because they might think, well, color fixing is already such a drag. I don't want to strain myself any farther than I have to. I don't want to have to jump around extra hoops to be able to cast my commander. Well, I'm here to say color fixing in commander... I don't think it's as hard as everyone's making it out to be. It's really easy, I promise. It's really... It's not something you need to dedicate specific cards to within your deck. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking as somebody, like, sitting on my... My EDH takes millions, like, with all my fetch lands and stuff. Like, I don't play a lot of fetch lands. Spencer can attest to that if I get called on this. Yeah, just... I don't own a lot. Yeah. A couple in the very powerful decks, other than that, not really at all. Yeah, and I, I could not play them, and I would be totally fine. I think the, my one deck that I play the most Fetchlands in is my Verena Lich Queen deck, because I just want to have cards to exile to Verena. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's a reason. I don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. That's not making my deck like really stronger. It's just a, a reason why. I yeah, a small, a small reason that helps. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. I had Fetchlands anyways. I was like, well, put them in there. Yeah. But things like... Um, you know, Chromatic Lantern at least taps for a mana, so I can, like, give that the pass as being, like, a decent three-mana mana rock, and maybe you really want to play super fast and loose with your mana base and your amount of utility lands, because some pe- people really like to play utility lands, like, yeah, people, a lot. Some people like, you know, like, ten plus. It's a lot. Yeah, people will be like, oh, don't play any tap lands in your deck, and then meanwhile play 20 colorless sources in there. It's like, oh, three-color deck, and you're like, oh, why can't I cast my commander? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got really unlucky this game. I got stuck on stuck on my colors. It's like, yeah, I'm playing my Glissa deck. It costs black, black, or green, green, black, or black, what is it? Is it green, green, black, or black, black, green? I think green, green, black. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I played my I played my, uh, my land lets me sacrifice a creature and gain a life. Oh, no, I can't play my commander now. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, so, I mean, Chromatic Lantern, give it the pass, but any spell that, like, specifically is based around, like, fixing your mana, I just... You can achieve that with lands, and you can also achieve it with, like, actual mana-positive mana rocks, mana dorks. Yeah. There's lots of lots of ways to get around that. Like, Go ahead. I'm just saying, I don't think... I can't remember the last time I really ever got... So, I mean, I don't play really more than three-color decks, but even my three-color decks, their mana bases aren't like a thousand dollars, and I'd still. Yeah, so you're saying stuff like, um, like, uh, oh, what do you call it? Um, Arkham's Astrolabe and those sort of a lot of the two mana stuff like that. They're just not good at all, unless you have a real good reason for playing artifacts. Right, real good reason. Uh, aside from that, I just say. You don't need to play fixing cards. You don't have to worry about so much. I've played many decks. Um, even one right now, my 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 kind of casualish Liesa deck only plays basic lands in it, and it's a two granted it's a two color deck. But like I play double white, double black spells in there, and and my experience has been the mana is pretty easy, and it's and it works just fine as a two color deck with just basics. Yeah, maybe the real takeaway from this point is just be more conservative with the amount of colorless lands you play in your deck. Yeah. Because you should really, like, evaluate those in tap lands. I think, in, for the most part, similarly, pretty similar, in my opinion. Like, yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. Because there's going to be times where you, you have that untapped colorless land, but if you are, like, a 3-plus color deck, it's not going to do you any good. So, something to consider. All right, um, well, moving on from that topic, I want to talk about the idea of... Silver border cards and custom rules and stu- proxies and stuff like that, um, along the lines of 
Um, you'll go on places like Reddit or you'll watch people's YouTube videos and they will say things like, everybody is okay. Or, you know, someone will ask a question on Reddit being like, hey, uh, how do you think, will I be able to make this uh, un- un-commander deck or something? Or will I be able to play this, ban- this, this, you know, will I be able to play like this, not like a, uh, like a, what do you call them, the Nephilims, right? And people right. in the comments will be like, yeah, that's fine with me and also should be fine with and is fine with most people. And it's like, I don't think that's a very good um, representation of, of the real world. I don't think there there should be... I, don't, I mean, I, I'm not fine with a lot of those things, and I feel like I'm being kind of neglected in that, in that response, right? Well, and they don't always put it like this in the responses, but oftentimes it's sort of, hey, I want to do this silverboarded thing, I want to play Nephilim or whatever, would you guys and everyone else be okay with this? And people will respond and be like, yeah, I'd be okay with it, and actually... In a way, anyone who says they're not okay with it, they're kind of a dick. Yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, I think one of the one of the recent like professor deck texts um, was like um, he was talking about uh, some expensive card, and he's like, it's a casual format, so just write a write you know write the name of the card on a piece of cardboard, and then it's the same thing. And it's like, Facts Metalworker is a great addition to this deck. So if you have one lying around, or you're rich enough to spend the cash on one. Go ahead. For the rest of us, you know, just write Metal Worker on another card and then say it's a Metal Worker. It's Casual Commander. You can do that. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, proxies are fine and stuff, but you shouldn't, I don't think you should be spreading the idea that, you know, that's just an expected thing, it's right? It's not the default. It's you not the default. just assume that this is fine because most people, especially if you know them or you're friendly with them in some way, would be open to the idea. You shouldn't go into a game expecting, if I pull out my Silver Border deck and ask people if I can play with it, you shouldn't just automatically assume they're going to say yes or that there are bad people for saying no. Yeah. Um, I don't have much else to say about that. Just um, don't act like everybody is on board with this because I think that you're kind of fooling yourself. Yeah, you should... Uh... You're kind of in the in the minority a little bit. I think, honestly, most people just want to play regular commander because the game's pretty complex as it is Mm -hmm. so i don't think it's unreasonable to say i'm not looking to play a random like pickup silver border game especially like when you throw in the whole the power level thing into that and like having to that's another it's really hard to have that conversation yeah you kind of that just goes out the window with silver border cards because not saying they're they're too strong or too weak it's just like you don't you don't factor them in when you're building your deck. No, yeah. You don't expect, oh, am I going to ever have to deal with this sort of effect? Like somebody, I don't know, yeah, I don't know like flipping my card through the air or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta put my cards in uh, under my land so that they can't, they can't play their split second card that we have to flip it through the air and land on. Is it. this spell too wordy? Yeah. Do I, do I have to play the Christopher Rush version of the card so it has different um, effects with the Artist Matters cards? Should I put in my contacts today? <laughs> I had not wear your glasses for the the beebly bobble or whatever. Damn it, I wore jeans. Yeah. Are we playing at midnight? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's move on from that, Eli. Yeah, so I wanted to... Um, I have another point here. It's that I think us as Magic players in general, but specifically Commander players, tend to overthink just about everything. Yeah. And overanalyze every card. I mean... We're kind of in a perpetual spoiler season over the last year, and so you'll notice, like, if you go on the Command Zones channel, what was it, Spencer, like, 80% of their uploads this year have been 
At least for the podcast. More than 80%. I, I, I was looking at their channel over the last, like, three months or something. and they Or, like, two, three months, and they had, like, three episodes that were not about a deck upgrade or a spoiler video. Three videos about something not that. Yeah, it's a... Uh, we're set review channels now. I mean, we're, we're going to try and stay away from that because I personally... Like, there is some value in, like, listening to a set review and being like, oh, I want to see what these guys thought about this new card, but... There's way so too many, much. Way too much. In these set reviews, they'll pick out like every like so many cards that's even like if you could ar- make any kind of argument for this card being played in any deck. They're like, we need to talk about this, and we need to talk about it for five minutes, and dig up every little corner case card that works with this, and everything it can do, its best case scenario, mm-hmm. and really big it up. And I'm just thinking, not everything is worth talking about. Like we did our one set review episode for Caldheim. And the format of that was supposed to be just cards that we really liked and cards that we could see ourselves playing in decks. And unfortunately, Callheim was just a really good set. Yeah. We, so that was a lot of cards. It was like it was like two and a half hours or something. It was a long time. That was grueling. Yeah. And we tried, by design, to have it be a small amount of cards. Yeah. So this perpetual set review that we're in, I just think um, people could afford to cut it back a little bit and... Make them shorter. You could get. I think they could get by with one or two episodes for a set review. They meaning like the Command Zone and other podcasts like that. Instead of like, here's all the new legendaries. Here's all the new green cards. Here's the new green and white cards. Here's all the new non-legendary multicolored cards. You don't need to make nine videos. Or at least be more quick about talking about the cards. Well, realistic. More, uh, have a higher threshold for the kind of card that you put on your set review because, like our format, we want it to be specifically cards that we could actually see ourselves playing. Whereas, like, Comanzo did their Modern Horizons set review and they talked about the the green cantrip that either draws you a land or a non-land. And we're talking about it like, oh, this is actually going to go in, like, most green decks. And it's like, are you actually going to play that card? I don't, I mean, I don't hate that card, but, like, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to play it. Like, are you going to think about this card after you've done the set review? Like, is this... I don't know. I just feel like the amount of time... I feel like people are wasting their breath a lot of time, and yeah, I got gotcha. you. I, I got gotcha. you. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I think there's too many cards lately. Mm-hmm. They're not all gonna make the cut. Speaking of too many cards, um, in Magic the Gathering Command, sorry, this is a terrible transition. Speaking of too many cards, uh, when you're playing a game of Commander and someone's got their forty bird tokens on the field, that's a lot of cards, right, Eli? It's a lot of information, <laughs> and I'm and I got a hot take here, right? You use the right tokens for your for your for your cards. Don't just put a dice on the on the table with nothing underneath it. At least use a token. Use something the shape of a card, whether that be an advertisement card, the wrong token. Yeah, okay, it looks like a card. Yeah, yeah. You can see it tapped or untapped. Please. That's a really big pet peeve of mine. Um, People just putting dice on the field and like like as an untapped or tapped thing, and also like it's really hard to, um, it's really hard to even sometimes recognize that there's anything there if it's just a dice without a card underneath it. Like Magic: The Gathering EDH is a very complicated game, and it's very hard to see at a glance the number of creatures on someone's board when it's just a dice without even a, without even a token underneath it. Also, if you're using a die to represent a token, and somebody goes to attack you. And you say, "Oh, I, I block with my with my token, kill your creature." And they're like, "Oh, I didn't know you had that. Can I take that back?" And you say, "Oh, did I have my token out?" You're the asshole. Yeah, I think the best, honestly, like 
And, and I would even say, if you let's say you have three zombie tokens. Get three goddamn zombie, zombie tokens. Don't put a zombie token with a dice on it. It's just so much better. It's like, obviously you can do that, but it's a pet peeve of mine. Just use three tokens. I get I, it. I get it. It gets unreasonable at some point when you're, when you're playing. It's, it's, it's hard. I try my hardest to be the token keeper. I have a box that I keep my dice in, and I keep a stack of tokens that aren't necessarily tailored to my specific decks, but they're meant to be tokens that other people would commonly create in the game. So I have, like, my 2-2 bird for Swan Song. I have a beast token for beasts yeah. within. I have elephants for Generous Gift, 4-4 beasts for Azuri's Predation. Yeah. Anything that somebody else would make and not have the token, because they never have the token. That's another thing. If you're going to play those cards, try and have the token that you give somebody. Because I know it's not your token, Yeah. but it's just it feels like the right thing to do. It's I, helpful. I have a Jira deck. It makes rhinos. I've got like four rhino tokens. Don't have just one. Have several. And when I get more than four tokens, um, I just start using random other tokens flipped upside down. Well, here's the thing. I think you want to have at least two if you're playing that kind of like a token deck strategy. Because you want to, if you get some money that you have to put a die on and make your stack of tokens, you want to have a stack for untapped tokens and tapped tokens. Yeah, or maybe maybe even before that, it'd be like tokens that can attack this turn, tokens that can't, or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, like summoning sickness and stuff. You don't want to have like the one token and have a die in one corner and be like, this is my untapped tokens and a die in the other corner and be like, these are tapped. And Yeah, but also, also imagine how much of a Chad you are if you pull up with your like you're like Gave Guru of a Spores deck and you just have like a box of like 300 Sapperling tokens. And then you make like 20 tokens and instead of having a token with a die with 20 on it you just throw 20 tokens on the field stacked up and then you put a die on it afterwards or something just because um I, it can be, I, I get it but tokens based use them please yeah they're oh very cool god. oh my god and, and if you and if you really want to grab some of those copy tokens they made recently those are oh, so copy good. tokens are great and i also want to give a shout out to i can't remember the the brand the brand name but those dry erase tokens where you can draw on the token card. those are cool those are cool those are really cool so stuff like that want to see more of it but yeah. yeah copy tokens definitely are great because you can just say it it looks like the creature somebody asks you what this is you just say oh it's meant to be yeah you can that. you can draw your own tokens too like on a piece of paper and put it in a sleeve and then you have like your own zombie yeah if you feel like it exactly all right eli what you got next for me okay this is a this is maybe another this is a hot one hot one nice um this is my personal opinion too so i mean I understand people feel strongly about this, but spot removal, like single target removal in Commander, it's actually, like, so bad in my... Like, I know you need to play it, and I do play it. I will never not play it, but it has been the thing that I've been cutting more and more from my decks, and I'm not missing it. You know, honestly, I've I've got a deck that I wanted to kind of try and detune a little bit and be less, um... Well, not like detune, but just make it less, uh quote mean sure like yeah. i don't like stopping people from having their fun so i wanted to make more proactive decks yeah and in in my experience what i'm finding i feel like proactive decks are almost always stronger than reactive decks sure i see what you mean or easier to play yeah i mean and obviously you need to have answers in your in your commander decks right like we're not gonna sit here and tell you not to play answers um, I think maybe a better way um, to move, a, mo- a better direction to move, maybe if 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 we're if we're trying to make an argument for spot removal being bad, we got to come up with something to put instead, right? Um, I think maybe playing spot removal that is um, we either comes with something else 
like for example a you know arcane denial that counters a spell then draws you the card back or like a uh, destroy a creature on the body like a ravenous chupacabra like where it has something with it right i'm glad that you brought up arcane denial because i wanted to break down and this is something that people have talked about before so this isn't like exactly a new opinion and it's maybe not a super hot take but everyone knows spot removal or single target removal in commander it is a it is card disadvantage for the person you're who's playing it and the person you're playing it against. Yeah. That you have four opponents in your game, so if you one for one one of your opponents, you're actually down a card on the other two, two other people. You and your opponent are both down a card. Yeah, so you are you are down card advantage. When you're you kind of kamikazing yourself a little bit and hitting that other guy. So Arcane Denial is actually a perfect example of a card, because you might read it and see, well, it makes my one of my opponents draw two cards, so that is card disadvantage for me mm-hmm. but really how arcane denial works is you counter a threat from your opponent you're losing a card they're losing a card and then but you're drawing a card to replace your card so you're not down on the two other opponents and your opponent whose thing you countered they draw two cards so they're so really you're not down to the two other people yeah and if you countered a spell that was more than two mana it's kind of like they got down the tempo i suppose so maybe you're Maybe that two cards they had is, you know, maybe it's counteracted by a little bit of the tempo they lost from getting their five mana spell counter or something. So it's kind of like everyone's even now a little bit. Yeah, so it's interesting how uh, something like Arcane Denial, which in a 1v1 format reads as, ass. as card disadvantage. Yeah. In Commander, it's actually, it's not card disadvantage. Yeah. It's weird. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's actually a great example. But like you are saying, stuff that removal on a body or something that like says remove a thing, draw a card, or has some other effect on it. Yeah. Or just in general, like, if you're going to play some amount of spot removal, people always like to say when people complain about threats in Commander, like, oh, just play more removal in your deck. And really, no, the answer should be play more card draw or more, like, tutors or something like that so you can find the removal you already have. Yeah. Just playing more removal, like, it, you can't one-for-one everything. And I think you and me talking about that, you and I are... are pretty big fans of just playing board wipes right as is in places of removal maybe sometimes yeah, right board wipes are perfect like that they do i see the argument for them slowing down the game people don't like that aspect of it but if you're going for pure card advantage another thing is that you want to get rid of are people's commanders and if you spot remove a commander that's effectively a one for zero because yeah. they're not actually losing that card you're it's a tempo blow they have to recast their commander i'm with you yeah but a board wipe i think is the perfect answer for commander or something like a uh, Merciless Executioner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that, where you can play it and you get multiple cards for one. Like, even if you just get one per opponent. Yeah, you're saying you don't want a one-for-one one with one player. You want a one-for-one with one the table if you have to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got you there. They made that white card, what is it, Um, the three mana dist- for each opponent. Oh, yeah. Destroy yeah, yeah. An artifact or enchantment they control. That's cool. Stuff like that. Seems really good. Like, it's not efficient it's not instant speed sometimes yeah or something like wing races judgment maybe i know that cuts a card that maybe it's maybe it's not even it was a card that was pretty hyped when it came out um but everyone no one really played it right a favor because it's five mana but honestly i think i would play that card and i think i'd love it yeah or maybe like a decimate or something right where it hits a bunch of things volcanic offering cards like these that that are able to do deal with multiple threats or at the very least one of each person or something like that you know it's more more you know you, you you you're not as like down behind the table yeah yeah and i know some people it, you feel really good when you remove somebody's thing like it feels like you got one like you pulled one over on them and you really, did right you, you did pull one over on them you just also pulled one over you, on yourself you one, yeah you pulled one over on yourself isn't you really people don't understand that though especially like 
people aren't at all conservative with their removal. Like, I, I play that amount of removal, but you can't, like I said, you can't remove everything, especially with three opponents, yeah, yeah. unless you're drawing an obscene amount of cards, in which case, go for it. Mm -hmm. like, some decks can manage that. Yeah, if you're drawing an obscene amount of cards, just spot remove everything from everybody and you're fine, right? Yeah, because Commander is a game of attrition, but it's like... Like a Nezahal deck or something, you can afford to... <laughs> You can afford to keep, you know, sometimes just just keep playing removal. It's like if you were in a like a four way shootout and everyone had a gun with the same amount of bullets and you just shot one guy like six times. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Like you're now you're out. Now you're out of bullets. Yeah. 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 All right. Just, yeah, I'm, I think people should just be more conservative with their spot removal and really feel like when you remove something, you should you should feel bad. Like you should feel like. It's not, not good not for like, you. Not like morally bad, but you shouldn't feel like you've won one over there. Like you're winning, you're gonna feel like you're winning a lot of battles, but you're losing the war. If you remove something from someone, you're it should feel bad because it because you know that your other two opponents didn't have to remove it. You're helping your two other opponents, right? That's what you're saying, kind of. Yeah, and if you're more conservative with your removal, you might end up in the situation where your opponents feel like they have to do it. And yeah, and that's great for and you. If they do it, yeah, it's even better for you. So that's why another reason why I think you and I, Eli, really like instant speed removal if we have it at all. So we can, right. like, if it's a, let's say if it's a creature that only, the only like the only threat of it is attacking or something, you can kill it if it comes at you, right? Yeah, this is a very common sentiment because if you have single target removal, you really the reason you want it to be instant speed and is, cheap mana is mostly for that ability to wait until the last possible moment. Wait until it's gonna really hurt you really badly. Yeah, yeah. Hold on to it as long as you can. Well, all right. Speaking of um, removal, <laughs> um, ways to get rid of other people's uh, cards, um, I think discard is a mechanic that is too um, too stigmatized. stigmatized by commander players. Underutilized. Underutilized for sure. You know, we were talking about that um, that uh, that playing with power podcast episode a while ago, and something that they said in that um, episode was that. There are two aspects of Commander which are, like, safe, and that's lands and hands, um, like, from, like, the social contract kind of thing. And, like, I just I was, like, I heard that, and I was, like, what are you talking about? What, where, where does this idea that, like, your hands are safe as in a Commander come from? I don't really, I don't know what, I don't know. Discard's good. It, it, the effects are good, and they're fair. Yeah, you really just, you don't see a lot of it. I no. think the main one that I used to play was Sadistic Hypnotist, probably one of the more popular sure, versions yeah. of that effect. But it's uh, it kind of is a little bit stigmatized. I think nobody ever made me feel bad for playing that card, but I felt a little bit bad yeah, yeah. doing that to people because it it was very strong and a very effective way of like closing out a game in my token deck because I want to make sure people didn't have board wipes for me. Yeah, no, and and you were talking Eli earlier about like going one from one with the table. There is like a cup. There's like that. There's like a, a rat which makes all your opponents discard a card. Maybe it's not a rat. But for like two mana, for like a one one, it makes all your opponents discard a card. Oh, I love those cards. One of my favorite uh, cards from when I started Magic was Liliana Spectre, which yeah. is a three mana two one flyer, enters the battlefield, and each opponent discards a card. Yeah, like that 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 is going one for one with the table, and you know it could you could really hurt someone pretty badly, like like in a good way, which is which is powerful. Um, one of the my favorite like discard cards. I mean, if we're sticking on this theme of hitting everyone, there's that four mana um, discard sorcery where each opponent discards a card, then you draw a card for each spell each card that discarded. Yeah. So um, it's essentially a uh, four mana draw three, and your opponents each go down a card. That's that's in, that's really good value. Yeah, it's better than harmonize mm -hmm. if you have three opponents and people love harmonize. It's really good. I think that card's pretty under underutilized. Yeah, siphon mind. Siphon mind. Yeah. And then I'm a big fan. Now this might be kind of a 
a no-no card, but you know, you, um, I really like um, Mind Twist. I think Mind Twist is an awesome card. It's X and a X and a black. Target player discards X cards at random from their hand. I, if you're gonna, <laughs> sometimes you just need to deal with someone, right? Like sometimes someone is is needs needs like how else are you gonna deal with like a control player or something um, that has like a full grip of cards or something or maybe even like a reliquary tower or something. There's not much else you can do other than that or wheel. Well, people like to complain about how strong green decks or Simic decks are because they're, they put so many lands into play and then they, ha- they end up with so many cards in their hand. But once they've done their ramping, you know, you go ramp, 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 and then and card draw, card draw, and then yeah, yeah. they build up to that turn where they spend all that mana and they spend out their cards, and that usually draws them more cards. But if you could hit them before they get the chance to do that... Yeah. Honestly, like, I'm not, like, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of cards like you know people will say cards like thought seize or duress or something um aren't like really commander cards but you you really could play a thought seize in your deck if you wanted to and then like when the green deck like you were saying eli goes you know ramp up to you know ramp spend all their their cards really early in ramp and then they have two or three cards left in their hand and you thought seize them and they you take their um you take their card that draws five cards and you're like they're like ah uh oops now what yeah again the, the thought seize and um Duress, stuff all like those that. cards. You probably just don't see a lot of those because it is that the sort of one, one for one yeah. thing. But it feels like worse than like a typical spot removal spell because it's it's not instant speed. I mean, they don't no, they don't have to cast the spell. They don't have to pen the mana on yeah, it. Yeah, it feels very very niche. But I mean, yeah, like you said, things like mind twist. Yeah, I think um, God, there is some other like six mana uncommon from a core set in the last couple of years. It's oh, yeah, like, I know what you mean. It's like... The one where they discard a bunch of cards and you... They, all well, non... Well, it can't be countered. Yeah. And it says somebody discards, like, all non-land cards in their hand. Yeah. And it's like, holy crap, like, that's just... Yeah, yeah. Like, you're saying about, like, control stuff, like, you'd say, like, well, if they got a bunch of cards in their hand and... They counter it or something, They counter it, right? So... But the, something like that, I think, is actually pretty cool. Yeah, and it also, you know, the creatures like uh, um, that, like when they hit somebody, they discard a card or whatever. I think those are all pretty good. Yeah, like those repeatable incremental yeah, ones. Or, yeah, like the ones that, yeah, like you said, trigger on combat. What is it? Shadow Mage Infiltrator? Is that the original? No, is that one draw you a card? I think that one draws you a card. I, there's some of them that make you dis, that discard a card and you draw a card, I think. It's the, the Spectre mechanic. Yeah, the Spectre either, mechanic. Either on combat damage or when they enter the battlefield, I think. Cards like that are pretty cool. I mean, especially because they're a body, and then they get you additional utility. Like, so yeah, I think I think you could look to maybe play a little bit more discard in your black containing decks. It might be kind of, and it's it's not bad. And Tiny Bones isn't an evil card, and playing discard isn't bad. Don't listen to people that tell you that, okay? And Hypnotic Specter is epic. Hypnotic Specter is pretty epic. Yeah, nice. Um, what you got, Eli? What's next? Well, I mean, if you're playing the sort of game where you lost your hand and you're not really doing much. Um, some people might just uh, just sit around and wait to wait to get knocked out. But over the last couple months, uh, I've been really evaluate reevaluating what it takes for me to concede in a game. Mm-hmm. And I want to really put out there that there's no there's no shame in conceding a game of Magic. Yeah. If you're not having fun or you just like feel like you've played all your outs and it's just inevitable. Mm-hmm. Like I get some people if somebody like has a lock on the board if like they have a full board of stuff, they have cards in their hand and they're going to win eventually but they haven't quite done it and you think maybe I can survive two more turns if I draw just the perfect top deck, maybe I live. Then then yeah, maybe you want to stay in, but 
I think that's yeah. kind of too common. I'm not a huge fan of conceding out of a, a game, like, if you're the only, like, like there's a four-player game and you concede and everyone else is going to keep playing. I'm not a big fan of that. But I think if, like, there's that situation where, like, someone, it's very clear that someone's probably going to win, like, and it's just, like, kind of taking too long, you and the other three players, the other two players that are in the game, you can just, like, hey, you guys want to scoop up? You guys, you seen enough? It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, let's play another game. That's fine, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. Like, I... I should have clarified that, that, yeah, you shouldn't just scoop out, like, immediately out of a game because one thing went wrong or you feel like you're not winning in the moment. But if you if you know the game is pretty much over and you've lost... Feel free to offer to your, your other people, your other, you know, people in the game, be like, hey, you guys want to scoop? Yeah, that's how I like to do it. If everyone else in the game feels like they, they honestly have a chance for some reason, because you don't know what they're thinking and what they have in their hand. Yeah what they're doing so you could be like hey how do you guys feel about this like like no i got something it's like okay if we're not having fun anymore and the writing's on the wall like we may as well just concede because i i feel like some people feel some shame about that and people really want to win you know so you want to believe that you can play to your outs and you can come back from that situation but well it it, like and maybe even can win like like obviously like you can win sometimes there's like miracle draws but like and like that's fun in its own way sometimes too but there's nothing wrong with just being like, eh, I don't need to win. Let's just scoop it up and play the next one, right? There's nothing wrong with being like, I think you got it. Congratulations, you won, you know? Yeah, people like to kind of overestimate themselves sometimes and feel like they've, they've always got it. Like, I think I was playing a game back in the Alexandria game shop, and we used to have league games where we play, like, on a timer, and I had knocked out my other opponents, but it was down to me and this one other guy, and... uh he had pretty much nothing like no cards in his hand like very little as a board presence but he had this kind of lock where he could recur an oblivion stone or like something like that yeah every turn and play it and the game went to time and it it ended as a draw yeah and and he and he was pretty much like well you're never going to be able to win it's like no if i if I draw you... until, like, I get removal for your thing. Yeah, I will th- Then I can win, because I have all these cards in my hand, and, like, this, and I'm ready to go, like, put it out and yeah. kill you. But, you know, in that situation, I don't know. I think maybe if you couldn't win, maybe you should just concede, but unless you're playing a troll, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, well, and, and one thing is, like, you're only, <laughs> in a commander pod, you're only expected to win quarter your games or even less maybe or you know whatever you're not supposed to win all your games so there's no shame in losing right yeah you have three opponents your win rate and commander should be an average of 25 percent. yeah and that's something that's hard for some people to parse but yeah you should get used to losing if you're playing commander it's going to happen a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unless you're spencer cook of course always win <laughs> boom, 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 boom. no um well speaking of Spencer Cook, that's me. I'm going to talk about my next, <laughs> my next, my, well, this is our last one, actually. Our final. Right. Our final, yeah, number 13. Um, lucky number 13, as they say. Um, so, Howling Mine. Cards like that, that make everyone draw additional cards or play, or, you know, play lands faster or something. Um, pretty cringe is my opinion on that. I'm going to, I'm going to give you my, my take here, okay? Aside from maybe wheels, right? Yeah, wheels are fine. Um, but like, Effects that, like, change the way the game plays for... But I think Howling Mind is a very good example of what I'm trying to describe. And that's... Howling Mind says each player draws two cards every turn. Now, this you're, this isn't something you're wrong for playing or, like, that you're... This is just, like, a personal thing for me. Um, I like to build my decks in certain ways where, like, I want to, like, 
have just just barely outlast my opponents kind of thing. Or I like to like play it just I play enough lands so that I can kinda like make sure I hit all my land drops or whatever, right? I feel like Howling Mine kind of rewards um kind of what I would call maybe worse deck building or whatever. So and that's okay, you can do that. But it, it's specifically when I see a Howling Mine come down on the field, I'm not like, oh sweet more cards. My first reaction is, oh shit, now my opponents are gonna get bailed out. That's what I'm thinking. Oh no, that's three cards to every one that I get. Yeah, yeah. So when I so when I see cards like I don't think Howling Mine effects are good. First of all, unless you're playing a deck where obviously like where they take damage for drawing cards or something like that, right? But when I see a Howling Mine on my opponent's side, it's not good for me. In in both strategically and in like my deck building, I, I think I talked about that. I think you understand where I'm coming from a little bit. Yeah, I think. Um... I don't consider myself to be the best player, but I, I feel like my I put some care into my decks, and I I think they're pretty okay. Mm-hmm. And I kind of compensate for my my skill by putting in additional like card draw and like resource advantage, so that I can afford to make a couple mistakes in the game, and it should still be fine. But I feel like if you're throwing like all this group hug card draw effect in the game, like people can just like freaking. Do whatever you know. What spot remove anything you want? Yeah, because you're gonna get more cards anyway. Yeah, I mean, whatever. You can play thirty spot removal spells if you know your opponents are gonna be playing a Howling Mine and gonna just like throw all of our suggestions. Like, like yeah, like Howling Mine makes me wrong. Makes all of our takes that we give wrong because it just throws everything out the out the window. And I don't like being wrong, so I don't want people to play Howling Mine and make me wrong. It it changes the nature of the game. Yeah. it's not right. You were meant to draw one card a turn, maybe more through your own means. Yeah, just like Richard Garfield said. <laughs> um, but I don't want to talk about that for too long. Uh, I think you can maybe understand where I'm coming from and maybe think about it on your own and maybe kind of kind of understand what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, that's about all our hot takes we have for today. I, that was this was a fun. I think this was a fun yeah, episode to do. It's been our airing of the grievances and just little little tips or little opinions that we just wanted to get out there. We didn't have a real solid idea for a topic. Yeah. And I just had a few things that I thought we should talk about and bring up because we, we have a lot of conversations about Commander when we're kind of show notes or when we're recording. So I thought it'd be fun to do a little uh, kind of lightning round. Yeah, a little lightning round. A little... Uh... Little thing. Um, Eli, do you want to bring up what our post-topic uh, discussion is going to be for this episode? Oh, yeah. So we spent uh, a little bit of time dunking on the Playing With Power episode. Episode with, 3 of their podcast. Uh, with yeah. Alex from the Spike Feeders, their Boris episode, because, you know, we got feelings on that. All about Lorehold. But they had an episode recently, the Playing With Power podcast, episode 8. Uh, titled The Challenge of Winning in Commander, featuring Cameron from the Laboratory Maniacs. And this was a really good topic, I think, because he dove in. We mentioned earlier in, in the uh, conceding section how you should only be winning 25% of your games. Mm-hmm. And this whole, this whole episode is pretty much about that, just how hard it actually is to have a better win rate in a game of Commander because of the extra levels of variance. You have three opponents. Um there's just so much that goes into it, and you had told me before they did this episode that Cameron did a video yeah. on the, the data that he extrapolated from 
uh, what was it? If you play, it was something like like three games a week or four yeah, games if you, a if week. You play three games a week for a year. For a year, and um, so you're and you're playing once once a week. Yeah, once like, a week. Three games. Three games a week. If you play for a year, there should be a point in a, a, a section of time in that in that um, year where you don't win a game for a month. Because just how the statistics work. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of players might not realize. Like if you if you have like a losing streak, that's expected. That's like if you don't have a losing streak, that's a statistical anomaly. But I think myself and many commander players will have that happen and think, man, I'm just I'm having such a slump right now. I'm right now. I suck. Like, what's wrong with me? I need to tune up my decks. I need to up my game somehow. I need to practice. And it's like. No, you just the odds are literally against you in a game of commander. Yeah, yeah, and and you know statistics can be very um very uh, unintuitive. Like you'd be like, okay, I win twenty five percent of games. That shouldn't mean I don't win for a month, right? No, that is exactly what it means. It should you should expect that. Yeah, it's it's very weird how the statistics, how these statistics work out there. Um, if you're curious about this, go watch that episode of Playing with Power, or go watch um uh, Cameron's video on the Lab Maniacs a couple, from uh, three or four months ago, I think. About the topic, I can't remember exactly what he said about this, but he mentioned something about a commander tournament, or maybe it was a CDH specifically tournament, where they had some data on the the win rates compared to the turn order. And one thing he noted was the person going fourth in the CDH games, their win rate was much lower than that of the the other players. Mm-hmm. And so that's just another thing you have to factor in is who's going first in a game of commander because your turn order does matter. Like especially in CDH, like I think he was saying, the the point is the faster the game is, the the more the first player matters. Yeah, if the game is twenty turns, the first player doesn't matter. It's probably less meaningful who the first player is. But if it's three turns, the first player you know had access to way more advantage. Yeah, if you're winning on turn four. And everyone else only had three turns in the game. Then that doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, because you drew you drew four total cards for your draw steps that turn, um, and then your opponents drew three, so that's like an extra twenty five percent. Versus if it's twenty turns, you drew twenty versus you know nineteen, and that's only like you know five percent. Yeah, so there's no perfect way to like hedge the variance of commander. There's just so many things, or like we were talking about with the removal thing. Like you might just play with somebody who decides they want you to lose the game. Yeah, you don't, and there's not really much you can do about it, right? You can't really do much about that. And all you can do is, uh, if you don't enjoy playing with that person, you can say, I don't want to play with you anymore, if you're going to kamikaze me out of the game. Or you could just, you know, just, you know, uh, shuffle up and play again, and hope it yeah, or you can, again. Or you can just be fine with it and, like, see if it happens to somebody, like... Maybe it'll happen to someone else, and they'll be like, nice, not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, there's a lot that can happen, you know? People make mistakes, too, like... Not everyone plays optimally, right? Yeah. You can't factor Only that I in. play optimally. <laughs> uh, sorry. So, yeah, I just, we, we, usually, uh, we usually pick on people a little bit, so I wanted to give that a shout-out because I think that's a very positive message out of our, our friends from the CDH community to observe something like that. And it does apply to regular commanders. It certainly does. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Good job, Cameron. And, and uh... Whoever, I don't know the Playing With Power guy's name, but good, yeah, good job him, too, for bringing Cameron on. Yeah. <laughs> good job for good getting a good guest. Of, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> all right. Um, well, that's, I think, about all we have for this episode of EDH Takes. I was about to say EDH Rec. I don't want to make that mistake. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, one someone one of my friends at some point was looking up EDH Trek and he looked up EDH takes instead of an accident. It was See, a, that's just good branding. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, was pretty pretty epic. Um, I'm like, we won, we did it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess um, you know, do the things, comments and stuff. We love to read them. We appreciate all the comments we've been getting lately. Um, I think we're gonna do new, a new uh, tier list episode pretty soon too. Maybe some other other type of content. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us what, what you think. think if you. Hardcore disagree with us on some of these things. We want to hear. Yeah, tell me. We want to see because maybe I don't want to entertain this idea too frequently, Spencer. But we might be wrong sometimes. No. So right? No. Really? Um. So maybe we could be become enlightened and change our views and grow as people. We can become and we can be we can become enlightened, but not the tutor because top deck tutor or something. No. Obviously, a good card. I'm not. Don't. Don't. Ah. Don't. Don't lambast me for those takes, please. But yeah. yeah um. Subscribe. Like the video. Comment. Twitter. All those things. Twitter at eh takes. Find us on there. Spotify. Um, all those things. Yeah, Spotify. And as always, thank you for listening, and thank you to Spencer for being Spencer. Yeah. Thanks. Bye.